What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. All right, today we continue our series on the gift of the nutcracker taken from Pastor Matt Rawl. We've explored how the young lady from the story, Clara, is like many of us who are waiting for Christmas. Uh, The food, the family, the gifts all add to the magic of Christmas, but waiting can be tough to do. The real lesson in waiting, though, is that Jesus shows us the way. We wait for God's arrival, but in truth, God is already here. We just have to acknowledge him and receive that gift. And next, we looked at Drosselmeyer, the godfather and uncle of Clara, who was in many ways a god figure there from beginning to end, doing magic and bringing the nutcracker back to life. We had a chance to ask some tough questions about who God is and and that we can't really control who God is. Uh, We can't even know what the future holds for us. We just know that we can trust and love God, uh, whatever may come our way. We can choose to love others and inspire one another. That is truly God at work among us. Then last week I was sick. Paul did a great job sharing about pinch hitting for God, so thank you to him. Uh, But if I had been here, I would have shared about the Mouse King. The Mouse King is the bad guy in the story, and yet who does he represent? He is Fritz, Clara's brother, and he reminds us to change our perspective. We don't always have an accurate read on the world around us. Sometimes we can judge others faster and harsher than we should. When I went to see the Nutcracker in the theater a few weeks ago, one of my son's friends who came with us said, I think the Mouse King was misunderstood. And that's exactly right. When you think of the Mouse King, think of how things are not always as they seem. Trust God by showing love and grace to others. So now we have our final look at the Nutcracker today, and we focus on the gift itself, which is, of course, the Nutcracker. Uh, What can we learn from this character, and what can he remind us of each year as he sits up on our shelves at home? Let's find out, but first, Eric is going to read our scripture for today. We're going to hear about how the birth of Jesus was foretold. It comes on the heels of all that happened before the birth of John the Baptist. His father heard from the angel Gabriel that he would have a son, and that would be a great man, and then he goes completely mute. He can't speak, and everyone knows he's seen something incredible, but they don't know what. Then the story turns to a relative. Let's hear the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greetings this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him Give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. And from Psalm 137, 1 through 6, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's have a word of prayer. God, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts and minds, in our hands and feet, that our lives might reflect your glory. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love to get presents, probably more than most people. An unexpected gift makes me feel loved, and if I open it and it's something I actually want, I feel like someone really loves and appreciates me for who I am. Years ago, I got an unexpected gift like that. My sister bought me a hat, but it wasn't just any hat. It was a New York Yankees cap. And it wasn't just any New York Yankees cap, it was a fitted Yankees cap, and when I put it on, it fit perfectly. My sister told me she had my uh, brother come with her to try on the hats to find the one that would fit the right size, and she nailed it, got it just right, but that wasn't even the most important part. This hat was just like one my eldest brother always wore. I hadn't seen him in months because that summer he had joined the United States Navy, And after boot camp was stationed in Florida, I didn't know how long it would be before I saw him again. So when I opened up that gift, it was like having a part of my oldest brother right there with me. I started to cry, and the three of us, my sister, second brother, and I all hugged, thinking of our oldest brother who couldn't be there. Now, don't go making fun of me for crying, or I'll have to cry right here to make you feel guilty about it, but it was a gift unlike any other because it pointed to what was really the most important thing. Something similar happens with Claire in the Nutcracker. She's visited by her uncle Drosselmeyer, who gives gifts to all the children. Of course, they are delighted. In the performance I saw a couple of weeks ago, the gifts are these life-sized wind-up toys. One is a ballerina, another a toy soldier, and they dance a beautiful mechanical dance. Then smaller but more personal gifts are given. Franz gets a sword and chases everyone around with it. I'm not sure who in their right mind would give a child a sword for a gift, but maybe that's just Russia for you. Uh, Then Clara gets the nutcracker. She's not sure how to feel about it, but she recognizes that at the very least, it is a special gift. Maybe you've had a gift that you weren't quite so sure how to feel about it. For years, my mom always gave me t-shirts and underwear for Christmas. 
It became a family joke that you could always guarantee these staples would be under the tree from mom as a gift for Christmas. My grandmother, God bless her soul, every year for our birthdays would take the time to buy a card, write a note in it, and, and stamp it and, and send the envelope uh, to us, and it had one dollar inside of it. She must have realized that the card and all this was way more expensive than the gift inside because the whole family remembers when it went from one dollar to a whole five dollars in those cards. Inflation's pretty rough, isn't it? Gifts we didn't ask for or gifts that underwhelm us might cause us to second-guess the person who gave it. But it would probably take a lot for us to outright reject a gift. Ever have someone who thinks pranks are the absolute best? You might hesitate to open their gift, right? You'd have to think someone was out to get you or your literal enemy to not open a gift from them. Thankfully, in the Nutcracker, Clara accepts the gift that she is given. She might not know how to feel about it, but she doesn't reject it. She accepts it, and the magical story continues. In Luke chapter 1, Mary receives a gift that she's not sure about. The angel Gabriel has announced that she will have a baby. Usually, this isn't so dramatic. People have babies all the time, and in general, it makes people very happy. But what makes her less certain is that, one, she is not married, only engaged to be married, and two, she is a virgin. How is she supposed to have a baby if that's true? And if she does have a baby, how can she do so knowing that it is not her future husband's baby? The situation is getting weird fast, and we would expect Mary to object to the angel's words. A virgin birth overshadowed by God? What does that even mean, and how is that even possible? But that's not what Mary does. Luke is showing us two different stories about faith. The first I mentioned at the beginning with the birth of John the Baptist, his, his father was Zechariah, a priest of God, who you would expect would have a very good handle on the things of God. When the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah about his wife having a baby, he essentially says, how can this be? I'm an old man. I need a sign if I'm supposed to believe you. And so the angel says, because you did not believe my words, you'll have your sign. You will become mute. And so this wise priest, who follows all the rules of God, is unable to speak from the time of his vision in the temple until his baby is named John. Now when you compare that to Mary, you can see the difference. Mary doesn't hesitate. She does ask a clarifying question about being a virgin, which personally I think is perfectly reasonable and a good habit to be in. If you don't understand something, ask a question. Don't get mad. Don't demand signs. Just ask. And when the angel finishes explaining, her response is one of the greatest examples of faith we have in the scriptures. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. This humble and obscure young girl far outshines the learned and holy older priest. Sometimes gifts come to us and we push them away like Zechariah. Sometimes we hear good news, and we think it's bad. Mary was not only receiving a birth announcement from the angel, though. She was receiving her call from God. In the Old Testament, there was this pattern that would play out for someone called by God. It would involve crisis, commissioning, objections, assurance, and then a sign. 
We get all five of those steps in this short passage with Mary. She is called by God to bear the Son of the Most High, and I'm very certain that if any one of us heard the same thing Mary did from an angel, we would all opt out. No thanks, God. Not for me. Yet here, Mary shows us how to receive a gift we are unsure of. You've been called by God before. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe you labeled it as a bad thing or bad news or a bad gift before you were sure what it was. Parents, have you ever had a a sick child? How do you respond? Anxiety? Frustration? Maybe anger towards your spouse? The sickness is not a gift, of course, but your child, whatever condition they may be in, your child is absolutely a gift. How will you respond to it with all the ups and downs that come along with such a precious gift? How about work? Ever been fired from a job only to realize that that particular job was really dissatisfying? It was a really bad fit, and were it not for you being fired, you might have just kept trucking along being miserable. That's a gift. It might be disguised as bad news, but these changes and transitions, and yes, even bad news, can be a way that God is revealing a call on your life, a call to something more than just coasting through this world. God invites us to receive what happens in our lives as a gift that reveals a deeper meaning and purpose to life. Take this for example. There was a a Catholic priest, Matthew Hood, out in Michigan who grew up in the church. He was baptized and confirmed, and eventually he decided he wanted to become a priest. His parents were proud and supported him in this journey. He was ordained in the church in 2017. When the pandemic began, everyone was in isolation, and his dad sent over some home videos. As Father Matthew watched through it, he saw a video of his own baptism from when he was a baby. Strangely, the deacon who had baptized him said the words of baptism wrong. He didn't say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, we baptize you in the name. Seems like a little thing, right? But he went and checked on it, and it turns out it's not a little thing to this church. Saying that one word wrong meant his baptism was invalid. And because his baptism was invalid, so was his confirmation and ordination and every communion he served and wedding he led. Now, some people might think, oh, that's ridiculous. What's wrong with the church that says that one little detail can matter so much? But Matthew, he took it in stride. He told his superior, and that next Sunday he got baptized and confirmed in his own church. Then the next week he was ordained again, and everything was back to normal. But in between those two Sundays, he was able to be on retreat, praying and seeking God. He felt God confirm the direction of his life, and that, yes, he really was meant to be a priest. He said the chance to reflect on that and to again say yes to God's call was a joy. In some ways, it sounds like yes to God was for the very first time, and there was a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation for all that God had in store for his life. All of us have a precious gift in front of us. Our lives in all of their variety and challenges are a gift. We have this one chance in this one life of ours to say yes to all of the beauty and wonder that's in it. 
And the very pinnacle of this gift is to choose to live in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In just a a few short days, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I wonder if you've said yes to the gift of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or what mistakes you've made. Jesus chooses to forgive and to make a path for all of us to get to God. Through that little baby, all the gifts of what this world has to offer are revealed. You can have direct access to God. You don't need an education or money. You don't even need a priest. All it takes is a heart that says yes to receiving the gift God has for us. You might not be too sure about it, as Clara was with the Nutcracker, and we are when we get gifts that are challenging, but God says Jesus is a gift that will only change your life for the better. Say yes and let your life be transformed in ways you could not even imagine. In the Nutcracker, Clara journeyed with the Nutcracker who had come to life. The Nutcracker protected her and defended her. He even gave his life for her. In his death, Clara was safe, but that wasn't the end of the story. Drosselmeyer, the God figure of the story, brings the Nutcracker back to life, reminding us of Jesus, reminding us that even in death, God can bring life. Even when the gift of life seems unfair, God brings something even greater than life. God brings peace that goes beyond what we can understand in this world. That's the greatest gift, the presence and peace of Jesus Christ. Let's end with this. Owen and his wife had moved into their home three years ago. After they moved in, they had their first child, Caddy, and their neighbor, Ken, became like a grandfather to her. He loved that little girl like she was flesh and blood. Sadly, Ken died just a month before Christmas, but Ken's daughter came to Owen and his wife to deliver something. She reached into a bag and and pulled out a gift Ken had bought for Caddy. Then she reached in again and pulled out another gift and another and another 14 gifts in all. This was overwhelming generosity from Ken. So the family posted about it online and people had the same response over and over. Hold off and give just one gift each Christmas from Ken. It might mean some silly gifts down the road, but what a beautiful way to remember Ken year after year, gift by gift. But there was another response people had too. So many people commented on how lovely the story was, but that they had no idea who their neighbors even were. Owen encouraged folks, hey, reach out to your neighbor. Give them some token or some gift just to say hi. Maybe it will open up a new world to you. And what an encouragement that is for us. There are so many gifts we have been given if we will have eyes to see it. How can you not only receive the greatest gift God has given to us, but also to pass along that gift to another person, to encourage them and bless them and lift up another person? Let them know that God has not abandoned them. God has not left them on their own. God waits for us to receive the gift of his presence found in this grand world he has made, found in one another, and found in the greatest gift of all, Jesus the Christ. May you say yes to this gift in your own life and find ways to share it with all those you meet.
You might be unsure, maybe a little nervous like Clara, but this great gift is meant for the whole world, and it's up to us to share it. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.